Podcasts from the Cat. Voices and sounds from Crew and Nantwich. You're listening to Business Brunch, and today we're talking to the managing director of an established, award-winning Nantwich estate agent that's been trading now for 17 years. Having spent time in the electronics industry as, as a teacher and in the banking s- sector, our guest today started his own estate agency. In the hot seat today, we're pleased to welcome... Sean Cafferty of Martin & Co. Sean, welcome to Business Brunch. Uh, thank you very much. Good morning, everybody. Sean, uh, before going into business, you had a, a varied and colourful career. So share with us why you moved from teaching into the banking world and what made you eventually decide to start your own business? Gosh, it's, <laughs> well, you, you know, it's like when you're getting older, your story gets longer and longer, doesn't it? Because it's more to talk about. Um, well, I, I, I initially did a very short stint uh, whilst at university for a local firm which, which was into electronics, and I'd always planned to become a teacher, so I actually went and did the teaching thing for, for a couple of years, really enjoyed it, I thought. Um, everyone says, what, what did you teach? And I always say, well, children. But subject-wise, it was English and history mainly. Did a bit of French, uh, also taught, taught some drama as well. Uh, secondary school in Northumberland. But I always hankered after, I'd really enjoyed my, my little stint in, in business even then. And I really kind of hankered after, I, I quite liked, I was in a lucky position because I loved teaching. Um, and I was also able to go to the job I loved, which was, which was like a marketing role in an electronics firm. And that was at a time when electronics was just really getting big. Everyone was just starting to get their first uh, laptops and uh, you know computers and all those kind of things. So of course it was very fast moving, very dynamic. Uh, environment to be in. I mean, so just just a fantastic time all around. Uh, you know, young, talented people, lots of energy uh, back in the back in the eighties. But after a while, it occurred to me that all I was getting to know about was more about electronics and, and that business, which was quite a young, immature business and not business in general. Um, and that coincided with the banks looking to recruit marketing expertise and, and things like that. So. Through a process with that, I joined HSBC on like a, a program that would, I suppose, teach me all they knew and, and would uh, also enable them to benefit from what I knew. And um, I intended it to be quite a short term thing, really, and ended up staying there quite a long time and then went to two other companies uh, lending money. And um, was that a difficult move? Because uh, teaching is a very secure position mm-hmm. with, with a lot of frills at the end of it. So you've got a good pension, mm-hmm. etc. Uh, did, did you not think about that or was it something because you wanted to do it you just moved naturally I, I suppose with hindsight I didn't really give give that I, I don't tend to be a very negative thinker so sometimes I've almost to I almost have to make myself be cautious about things it doesn't I, I never really think about it, it going wrong because um, it normally doesn't um, so that didn't really occur to me. It just it just felt like a, a thing I could do. Certainly on the banking side, I was going into a situation where I knew nothing about banks and banking, but they were bringing me in for what I knew already about sort of marketing and strategy and things like that. So I felt like I had something to give them in exchange for them giving me what I wanted. And, um, and I found it more pleasurable than, than I thought I might. Uh, it was business to business stuff. It was um, a lot of marketing, product development, uh, financial products uh, for businesses, uh, getting to understand tax and legal things, and uh, very good grounding in in lots of things. You know, understanding the, the tax regimes, 
understanding the legal ways of doing things, doing documentation. Uh, I spent a lot of time with the with the company solicitors when I was doing product development. Um, a lot of stuff on, and then of course understanding the businesses, what makes them successful, what are danger signs, uh, assessing businesses in terms of lending to them. So there's lots of lots of lots of good things to to be had out of that, and quite a good, you know, quite a good grounding, which I think has stood me in good stead, you know, ever since. Um, and did all the roles within that environment. I went to run a couple of uh, smaller finance companies myself where you're in charge of everything. You put all those bits together, the lending, the marketing, uh, the looking after the customers and that kind of thing. So it all comes together, really. So travel to America, Mexico, Canada in that role as well. So, you know, lots of, lots of positives, really. And then you originally started a, a business in insurance. Yeah. And then moved into the world of selling and letting properties. So tell us what made a state agency work more attractive than insurance and, and what individual qualities you feel are essential in establishing a new business? Okay, that's, that's a very good question. Um, well, I think the, the, the insurance in some ways, with hindsight, was almost a halfway house to where we are now. It was, it was we were dealing with like major claims on, on very big properties. So you had to understand, you had to understand properties, people who own their own properties and the stresses and all that kind of thing when there's things going on. So we kind of got a bit of a glimpse of that. I think uh, in, in terms of estate agency and so on, I was just looking at a situation where, right, what do I know? What am I interested in? what things can I apply my skills to that I think will, will, will you know, will be successful. So by, by for me, quite a, a logical and rational process, I got into the estate agency thing. In terms of setting your own business, I know that there might be quite a lot of people out there at the moment looking at doing this with the way things are. And uh, I'd always encourage everybody to, you know, to follow their star, as it were. Um, I think above everything, don't underestimate the value of hard work. Uh, a lot of people think it'd be great to be your own boss. Uh, and then the boss they, they make themselves to be is this kind, generous guy who says you can have eight hours off a day and put your feet up every five minutes and, and all sorts of things. And if you're your own boss and you're that kind of boss, you're not going to succeed in business. So I think first and foremost, you've got to recognize you know, what hard work it is. Uh, I think you've got to recognize in a way there's always some kind of boss in the background. You're never totally free because maybe the bank manager you know, wants to see you perform or your accountant wants to see you perform or the government wants you to, to abide by certain rules and, and tax regimes and things like that. So, um, you know, don't go into it thinking that you'll have total independence and total freedom because that's not the case. But hard work, I think, is important. Being self-reliant, I think, obviously, because at the end of the day, the book stops with you and there's only you can sort things out. It takes courage. I think you've got to be a brave person. It's okay to be scared, um, but it's about being brave and courageous. Uh, and I think probably last thing is the planning, actually. I, I, I'm a, I like planning a lot seems to be the boring part of the job but actually the main reason I do it is it gives me confidence if I know I've thought about all the ins and outs and all the possibilities and all the things that might go wrong and what I'll do if they do it gives me a sense of confidence that I've kind of envisaged as much as I can about what's going to happen and then however it falls I've got like an action plan ready so for me it gives me a lot of confidence knowing I've planned you know as well as as, as can be done. Well I always um, had it um, explained to me in business that it's like going on a journey you you wouldn't go on a journey without planning where you were going so absolutely it's knowing yeah. where you're going and it's knowing how you're going to get there and uh, and clearly that's a cornerstone of a successful business. So presumably uh, that w that was an innate thing, was it? The fact that you knew you had to plan. 
I think so. I think I'm 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 I'm, I'm actually quite a cautious person. I, I might come across as quite adventurous from what you said, but behind behind that adventure lies an awful lot of uh, an awful lot of caution. So I always like to have a plan B and a plan C. Um, I'm the guy who sits on the aeroplane and I've flown thousands, well, probably hundreds of times, and I always still check where the exits are and what the procedures <laughs> are just in case. So I'm a kind of a just-in-case kind of person, I think, and it's important. Like I said, it's not necessarily that, that you're necessarily going to need a plan B or a plan C or an emergency exit. It's just important, I think, to go into it, knowing the confidence that you've thought that through, and should the worst happen, that uh, that you know where to go and what to do about it. You're listening to Business Brunch, and today we're talking to Sean Cafferty from Martin & Co. Sean, coronavirus has wreaked havoc across the world and our government has introduced a variety of interventions uh, to ease the pain and in some cases hibernating entire sections of business. Uh, share with us how it's affected uh, the estate agencies and, um, and how the reduction of stamp duty has helped kickstart the property sales. Yeah, well, like everybody else here, we were on an immediate, an immediate closure. We'd done a little bit of planning for that. Uh, in terms of what we do working from home and so on and the government specifically outlawed a lot of estate agency activity because of course it it's not essential that, that somebody buys your house this week or you show people around it's obviously not social contact as well so uh, initially there was a there was a complete shutdown on the sales side I mean on the letting side um, obviously the, we were quite involved in housing still some key workers we had nurses moving into the area we had people moving in uh, for jobs at some of the big uh, supermarket distribution centres that we have locally. So uh, we were quite lucky, at least there was still some things going on. Um, but we were also one of the first sectors to open up again. Um, the government perceives that, it, that a good housing market tends to help kickstart the economy as a whole. Uh, and so not only did they open us up um, you know, ahead of lots of other sectors, which is, which is fortunate for us, they then followed it up by up to the stamp duty change as well. And that, again, is designed to you know, kickstart activity in the housing sector because that tends to have lots of spin-offs uh, for the economy everywhere else. In terms of the stamp duty bit, um, then obviously it affects uh, slightly bigger... In our area, it affects mainly the bigger properties. In, in the south, where property prices are higher, obviously it affects, affects all properties pretty much. So it's going to have more of an effect in areas, areas in ours. But it's still an opportunity for people to, you know, to move and, and save money compared to what would have been the case before... Um, or, of course, if it does get uh, this little tax break ends in March next year, to do it, you know, do it while you can. So we might see a, a slight boom and then a, and then a drop off. Um, but we've already seen anyway quite a lot of a bounce back in the housing market, which wasn't particularly expected. Obviously, there were people who were intending to move before lockdown and they wanted to carry through. Uh, but even before the stamp duty um, situation, and as I said, it's, it has less power in our area than it has, say, down south, we were still seeing um, an unexpected surge of people looking to move, um, which is, you know, almost counter to to what you'd think, certainly if you read the papers and listen to the news. So a lot of people seem to be almost getting a bit uh, devil may care, you know, it doesn't matter what's happening in the world, we want to move anyway. Uh, we have people whose experience in lockdown has, has caused them to move. So you've got uh, elderly people who want to be near relatives because they were suddenly cut off and, and their children were a long way away. We've got people who spent an awful lot of time in lockdown working from home, and now they need somewhere that's more suitable to work from home. 
Um, I think we've got families who've been stuck in a, in a house with two or three children all day, every day for you know five or six weeks, and realised perhaps they need a bigger garden or more space. So yeah. there were lots and lots of things behind that. So there's actually, there's actually been a lot of lockdown reasons that that people decided to move as well, which has been quite interesting to see. But for me, most of all, coming through is a slightly more a positive attitude than you'd think if you if you generally just just um, you know listen to what was happening in the papers. On yeah, television. it's uh, proving that you can't really stand in the way of human nature. But moving on to my next question, Sean, mm-hmm. uh, dependable, reliable, and helpful. Uh, just a few of the adjectives used to describe Martin and Co. And it's it's clear that the business is customer focused and and that you set yourself high standards. So. Explain to us how difficult it is to continually achieve these high standards. Um, well, it's very flattering and very kind that people have said that. Um, it's certainly very difficult, uh, w- without any question. It's one of those things you can't take for granted. You've got to work at it every day. For me, uh, my glass is, uh, is always, in a way, half only half full. Um, I'm always looking at what we can do better all the time. Um, to the extent that I have to remind myself sometimes to, to, to you know, obviously thank the people and, and, you know, give them confidence in what they're doing and, and uh, you know, enjoy the results we get. But I'm always looking for it being a bit better because they're always, you know, I'm one of these people that you can always improve on what you're doing. Uh, so I'm always looking for continuous improvement in, in what's going on. Uh, and I think also I'm quite a demanding customer myself. So I always think, well, actually, what is it, you know, what is it, what would I like? Uh, in terms of what was going on, and what is you know what I think is reasonable, and, and then try and get that through to to the staff. And also, it's a very people business, and uh, you know we we very uh, you know, we employ about twenty people now, but it still feels like a family business. So it's all very you know I'm a person to them, they're a person to me, and hopefully that then means our customers are, are people, not just numbers as well. And I think that probably I think that probably helps things uh, come along. This is a podcast from the Cat. Today we're talking to Sean Cafferty from Martin & Co in Nantwich. Uh, Sean, happy staff are generally productive staff, so tell us how you maintain a motivated and cohesive team. Yeah, very good question, and uh, easier to say than to do sometimes. Keeping everyone happy all of the time is is always a difficult job. I used to work some basic principles, really, and it's something uh, that I've always done. I think, firstly... You know, a team that plays together stays together, in my view. So having fun is important. There's a lot of difficult situations happen during the day. Um, and we sometimes have, you know, good days and bad days. But I think you spend an awful lot of time in the workplace. And if you're not enjoying yourself or have a few, uh, a few bits of fun during the day, then, of course, things can get quite, quite miserable. So we often have a bit of fun, a bit of banter, a bit of joking. Um, I normally find buying chocolate cake on a Friday does wonders and things like that. We have we have Fat Friday where all diets are off and we may have uh, all sorts of things. Uh, if we can hide the smell, we'll have chips. So we may have pizza or cake and, and, and those kind of things. And the staff bring stuff in as well. So everyone participates in that. So I think that kind of fosters a lot of togetherness, having social events and that kind of thing. Is, is very important on a, on a group basis. And, uh, you know, I like to work in a fun environment. So some of this is selfishness on my part. I don't want to go into a miserable, depressed place and, and spend seven or eight hours there. So I like to create an environment that's quite lively and where people are happy and there's quite a lot of banter going on. 
so I do see it very much as part of my role to um, you know put paint a smile on and uh, and be jolly and and where necessary kind of facilitate that process as much as anything else so um, and it does have a that does have a big effect in terms of the other side of, of the coin I think it's also about how you treat your people in terms of we're, we're big fans of qualifications um, in our industry there's not not many of them so getting people qualified and giving them the opportunity to do that and then other sorts of growth not everyone wants to get qualified or take an academic route on these things but just recognizing uh, their growth recognizing their achievements it's not all about pay and commission and everything else it's just a thank you or a, a bit of a small reward or a bit of recognition publicly here and there matters a lot uh, and training and we have uh, certainly from my point of view i get a huge amount of satisfaction out of seeing um people of all ages but especially younger ones progressing from where they started i think is is uh, it's, it's very satisfying for me and i think as a consequence we spend quite a lot of time on that and it gives opportunities and, and future rewards to other people. Where I am today is because of the people invested in me, and you almost feel an obligation to kind of, you know, pass that on to everybody else. Yeah, certainly with young people, uh, if you can make an impression on them early on, you, you would expect them to, to give you a little bit more time uh, giving back to the firm once they're fully trained. Oh, yeah, I mean, uh, I mean we've got our management team now. We've got uh, our general manager, uh, came to us what 12 years ago with a degree in ceramics which isn't exactly <laughs> ideal ideal preparation and uh, you know 12 years on um, she's running our entire lessons operation and uh, I think she has some eight or nine people reporting to her and as, as she always says you know she's you know she always goes back to her mum and, uh, and you know makes a fuss of who'd have thought I get to this kind of position you know she's got a lot of responsibility uh, and so on we have another young guy who is well he's not even young anymore but he came to us as a student I think he walked in office one day aged about 19 looking for a summer job which we gave him and he had several summer jobs with us that started as soon as he finished his degree he, he came to us full time and uh, he's been with us I think 10 years in a full time capacity as well now just about to have his first baby and he's one of our managers as well so we've got people who've been with us for, for you know, 10 years plus who who came into us obviously as, as people with a great deal of potential and they've worked very hard uh, and developed a great deal um, and we've had the benefit of that so clearly you've got good systems in place so we can't go away uh, today without talking about technology because it plays a mm. huge part in in every business uh, and keeping abreast of new technology uh, can be expensive um, if you do and very costly if you don't so tell us yeah. how you square the circle and maximize the benefits uh, of technology in in martin and co Okay. Well, I think firstly, I think firstly, you've got to be quite discerning. There's actually a lot of technology out there that is that isn't a lot more than a gimmick, to be honest with you. So you've firstly got to say, right, what's it going to do for us? Is it going to do for us something that we want it to do? I mean, obviously, if you lived in the Sahara Desert and you've never seen an umbrella before, you'd be quite fascinated by having an umbrella and think, well, that's fantastic. But of course. Do you need an umbrella in the Sahara Desert? No, you probably don't, unless it's to keep the sun off. You certainly don't need to keep the rain off. So I think you've got to be quite hard and say, actually, yes, it's very sexy, very interesting, but do we actually need it? Is it going to do us some good? If it is doing some good, then in what way? Is it going to save us time? Is it going to save us money? Is it going to help offer a better service? And what's the value of that to us? So if we have a new system that we bring in that is a time saver, 
then what are we going to do that time we've saved? Otherwise, you'll end up spending more money and have the same number of people do the same thing. Um, and I think the other thing not to forget in all of this, and it's, it's a maxim that I keep going back to in my own planning in terms of what we're trying to do, and it's still about the people. The technology is just a, a support to the heavy lifting, uh, to get the job done quicker. It's like when people went from quill pens to, to printing to, to laptops and, and so on. They're all to support the people. It's not to actually get the job done in itself. Um, and uh, my goal is to have <clears throat> basically excellent people um, supported by the best technology that we can get our hands on. But it's still about the people. Today we're talking to Sean Cafferty, the Managing Director of Martin & Co in Nantwich. <laughs> In November 2019, Martin & Co, Nantwich, were rated as the best letting agent at the British Property Awards. Uh, and at the Best Agent Awards, Martin & Co were also ranked as exceptional, putting them in the top 3% in the UK. So, it's uh, Sean, it's a tremendous achievement. So, tell us about the awards and how important they are to you and your staff. Well, I, th I think, um, you know, so I, I'm, I always tend to be looking to what we can do better, so the probably awards don't mean as much to me as they do to the team. I think it's very, very important to the staff that they get some external recognition. It's all very well, me telling them they've done well, or they can look at our internal figures, but to get some kind of outside accreditation for their efforts, I think, is more important. I always say the, award, the awards are, are all about the staff and all for the staff. It's, it's, their, um, it's their achievement more than it is mine. I think it probably means more to them, hopefully, as well, because of that. Um, in terms of where I do find it's important is that those awards were... Uh, there's lots of awards where you can just enter and you, as long as you do enough work and send enough stuff in and pay enough money, you get the awards. These were done by uh, mystery shopping exercises uh, over a long period of time. People ringing up, pretending to be customers, following through, did they get calls back? What do we tell them? Um, so, and it's also look at actual achievements as well. So it's saying, right, you know, how quickly do you sell your properties? Um, how close to the asking price do you get? Um, all those kind of things as well. So it's a, it's a really good combination of an analysis of what really matters in our industry to our customers, plus also a, a completely huge mystery shopping exercise that asks some quite searching questions, you know, literally gives us curveball uh, phone calls, if you like, to see how we deal with it. And of course, those phone calls can go to anybody potentially in our business. We're only ever as good as whoever picks up the phone and has that first conversation. So it's very widespread. So yeah, from my point of view, I, I think that's tremendous. Top 3%, I mean, there's, I think that means there's 150 in the top 3%. So of all the estate agents right across the UK, we are somewhere in that top 150 right across the UK, which is, which is absolutely huge, of course. Um, so yeah, very, very pleased with that. So there must be a tremendous uh, feel-good factor with the staff in getting an award like that oh yeah very much so i mean sometimes i've almost got to sit them down and, and explain to them so well actually you know <laughs> the umpteen there are literally tens of thousands of estate agents that, that took part in this so you know to even be recognized at all is an achievement I mean, the top three percent is 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 very very significant 
and it's about what they do every day. You know, you can't just turn it on because you think you might have a mystery shopper on the phone. So what the what you know is catching everybody doing what they normally do, taking a normal phone call, thinking it's a normal customer, not knowing it's something special, and then also the results side is you know did we get the results? Did did we get rid of properties quickly enough? Did we get the right price for them? Did we all those kind of things? So. It's, it's measured very much on exactly what they do as well, very specifically to the service level they offer and the advice they give and how well trained they are and also their attitude to people really. It's, um, you know, if, are they helpful? Uh, do they follow up? Do they offer any additional information? Are they able to put, you know, give people quality, you know, professional advice in, in terms of what's going on? So very, very much their achievement and, um, Rather like me, you know, I've got to make them almost appreciate it because it was almost like, well, that's nice. What's what's next? And we have to sometimes just take a little bit of time to kind of savor savor those moments because there've been enough bad ones coming along. Um, but equally, I quite like the idea that they kind of always want to do better than than they've got um, because that's kind of how I work as well. Well, well done to the staff. Uh, they certainly deserve all the attention anyway. Sean, I, I know you have very strong feelings about the importance of community links in the business sector. So share with us your current links and how you choose who you support. Very difficult. Well, firstly, I, wouldn't, I don't distinguish. I think business is part of the community. It's not something separate. It happens somewhere else. I mean, most people, if they don't run a business, they're working in one. Or, or we all benefit in some way as shoppers or, or whatever. We all benefit from the economy, or the, especially the local economy. So I don't see it as separate, and it's quite important that it all works together. I think business has got a very big role to play in, in the community in, in lots of ways, expertise to offer. Um, I've been involved in, in, in a lot of things community-wise, as, as you probably know, um, helping run Battle of Nantwich, uh, Nantwich Fate, the, the Queen's Jubilee celebrations, um, chairman of South Cheshire Chamber of Commerce. Um, I was also chairman of the Georges Foundation in, in Crewe. Um, so some of it's about bringing your expertise to bear in areas that can help a wider number of people. Um, the second bit, I think, is just recognising that we all have a part to play, whether you're a business or, um, you know, retired or, or whatever your status is, we can all do something that actually makes the world a better place for those around us and our own local area. We're, such, we're so lucky to live in, in such a great local area. And, and part of the reason why it's so good is that everybody does a bit to, to make it so. And I'm a big believer in, in, in everybody, you know, taking a turn in, in helping out. And therefore the business does the same thing. So in terms of what we currently do, we always support Nantwich Show. Uh, obviously a big tradition in the area. I'm very passionate about the rural community and the challenges that always faces and it tends to go under the radar a little bit. So um, that's an important one for us. Obviously, we've, we've always supported the Battle of Antwich because for, for many years I was helping organise it, so we still we still do a lot there. Um, we also currently sponsor Antwich in Bloom. Um, we've got a little plaque by the War Memorial in Antwich there. They do a fantastic job. You know, these people go out rain and shine, making the town look pretty, plant the plants, make it all look nice. Um, I'm sure a lot of people think it somehow happens by magic that they all go to bed one night in, in April and they wake up on a Sunday morning and suddenly the town is festooned with flowers and the litter's all tidied away and all those kind of things. And of course, it doesn't happen by magic. We, we have a load of volunteers both uh, picking the litter and obviously doing the Nantwich in Bloom, doing the flowers, tending them, 
um, all voluntary, all in their spare time. A lot of them have, you know, daytime jobs and, and, and families to look after, but still do that. And it's important they're recognised. So whatever little bit of extra support we can give them, you know, is, is money well spent from, from my point of view. It's, you know, I don't think people are going to beat, beat their way and want to do business with, with uh, White Gates or with Martin Co. Our two companies just because of that. I think it's actually, you know, it's more about just showing some solidarity. Yeah. We've had a lot of support from the local community to build our business up over the last 16 and 17 years. And I think it's only fair to try and give something back. Well, I would agree with that. I think it's incumbent on, on all business to to take that view, really, that they're part of the community. So uh, make sure you're doing things within it. So, Sean, yes, exactly. it's been great talking to you. And um, here at the Cat, we all wish you well. And we're sure that uh, Martin and Cole and Whitegates will, will certainly flourish as time goes on. Uh, and a certain type of normality resumes. <laughs> Be- before we finish... Um, Tell our listeners where they can find more information about Martin & Co. OK, well, the best place to go is, the best starting point is always the website. Uh, you'll be able to find us on www.martinco.com. That's M-A-R-T-I-N-C-O.com. Um, and on the selling side of our business, which is Whitegates, then that's www.whitegates.co.uk. OK, that's terrific. And if if anybody missed that, this will be on Listen Again in about two or three days' time. Uh, Sean, it's been terrific talking to you, uh, and thanks very much for coming into the cat today. Thank you very much. Go to listen.thisisthecat.com for more podcasts and more ways to listen.